Welcome to the podcast. Join Nate and Mike, lifelong friends, as they discuss stocks and investing. The name says it all. This This is is Two Two Buds Buds Talk Talk Stocks. Stocks. All opinions expressed by Nate and Mike are their own. Please do not buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Welcome to the show. We're live. What's going on, Mike? Nate, how's it going, man? I'm doing well. Enjoying a nice little Saturday afternoon here. What's the temperature you got? 63 degrees last time I looked. Just a slight wind. I had 67, no wind. (laughs) And I think 67 is the ideal temperature for me. I would say 72. I like 72. 72? Yeah. We could cut point. hairs and meet meet in the middle at 70. Yeah. Isn't that kind of what the uh the year-round temperature is in some in a place like uh San Diego? That's why I was yeah. that'd be cool. You just uh get a nice mean temperature, 70, 72 year round. They say uh, the best thing about San Diego is it's 75 degrees every day, and the worst thing about San Diego is 75 degrees every day, right? Every single day. Guess what I got into today? Um, this is we're talking an activity or like a, a new drink. A new an activity. <laughs> um, I don't know. Lay it on me. What what'd you get into? I, I, well, I had a smoothie. Now I went took the family to Top Golf today. I had the little I have the little guy doing lessons. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like the perfect COVID event because you can go in with the mask, you go to your little bay, you got the little plastic on both sides, everyone's having a good time. And I'm sitting there and I think, do you know who owns uh, Top Golf? Um, no, I don't. Callaway. Callaway. They, uh, they're the ones that make all, all the, uh, the golf equipment. Yeah, I kind of like that play. If you think about it, you're Callaway, you owned Top Golf. Here's the problem that I have, though. You would think if you went in there, it would be Callaway clubs. There would be Callaway advertising everywhere. Callaway this, buy a T, you know, uh, get a hole in one, get a free Callaway golf bag, you know, uh, get it, hit the blah, blah, blah. The marketing there, I'm going to call Callaway out here. The marketing there suffers because I think if I, I, most people probably don't know that Callaway owns them. And I think if they actually kind of did some marketing, it could kind of be a win-win for both parties. So let me try this from a, from a different angle and see if this makes sense too. This so is this, is this your first time at uh, Top Golf or oh, you've no, been no, before? I go all the time. I have been, I've been to Top Golf, um, I think twice, both times been with a, with a group of people, right? And the golfing has really been secondary to just the socializing and the drinking. Like you, I like the little pods. You get your, you basically you have your own table there. You got the server, you get foods, drinks or whatever. I right. love the fact that you could just get out there and they have the little markers on the field that you could actually try to whack the ball in or whatever. You can drive as far as you want. But for somebody like me, that's the extent of my golfing. So if you tell me and you put Callaway stuff all over the place. I don't know if it's actually going to be even a more of a, of an incentive to me because that's, that will be the extent of my golfing is just going out there and just whacking some balls like that. Make any validity to that you think? hurt is what I'm getting at. If they were saying like you get a free Callaway t-shirt, if you hit the little, the yellow section and you get a golf and okay, you don't golf and you get a t-shirt that says Callaway golf on it. You probably would sport the t-shirt. I'm just saying I think it would be nice if they just like when you go on Amazon to order groceries and they are like, all of a sudden you're clicking on an ad for um, coming to America too. You know, it kind of ties it together a little bit. That, that's all I'm saying about it is it they should. could have done a little bit better job. I, what if, what if though, that you had the option that if you uh, drove the ball 400 yards or whatever, you could get a Callaway t-shirt or you could get a, uh, a free drink. Which one are you taking? Well, here's the point. If you at least had the offer, then if you least, split it again and you put Callaway on the glass, like all the, like just like, hey, you, you get a free like drink. Callaway, Callaway golf, Callaway. I like it. Well, do you know, got me, got me to thinking too. Um, I got my, va- okay. We don't do a lot of vaccine talk. We've done pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. We haven't done a lot of vaccine COVID talk. So I've got my COVID shot coming on Monday. Yes. Okay. Congrats. That's awesome. 
and I did it where it was kind of, I was thinking really deep about this and I'm like, which here, and I actually have some of this, hold on, I've got some of this written down here. Let's talk a little bit about which one of these companies we like best, all right? And I'll tell you what I like. You know how the J&J is getting a lot of heat these mm -hmm. days, but here's the thing that I like about the J&J, right? So I got the Pfizer. I'm a big fan of the Pfizer. I think to me, um, before we talk about all these individual stocks, I'd like to go through here, are my vaccine shots, I'm going to go something a lot simpler when it comes to trying to pick healthcare, which one you like. I like VHT, which is an ETF, which is a Vanguard health ETF. I think it's better just to buy the VHT instead of trying to do the Pfizer, Moderna, trying to just buy one of them. But we're going to have some fun here. All right. We're going to see which these are my COVID vaccine shot companies. All right. Mm -hmm. So we've got J&J, &J, which I think, see if you can guess this. I think what I like about J&J &J and COVID, they get the double dip, okay? What happens after you get a COVID shot? Right after you get a COVID shot, what do they give you? Give you a Band-Aid, right, to put over your arm. Who owns Band-Aid? <laughs> yeah. J&J owns Band-Aid. We always talk about it where it's like Kleenex, uh, Uber, or um, you know the actual verbs. Yeah. Band-Aid. No one's like, hey, I cut myself. Could you hand me something that would cover my Band-Aid as an actual yeah. J&J owns Band-Aid. So boom, it's a good point. You the shot. Boom. You got the Band-Aid right from it. You know, people are getting sick from the J&J. Did you hear about that? No. Last I heard, though, was that they were just talking that the, um, the what do you call it? The effectiveness rate was much lower than the Moderna and the Pfizer, but that in clinical trials, it still did well as far as people not dying or having to be hospitalized. Is that part of it actually changed? Well, look, people? I want everyone to get their COVID, their, their vaccines. I'm not saying don't get your vaccine shot, but the J&J &J is getting people a little sick and it was pulled from two states, South Carolina, North Carolina, because um, you only need that one shot. So I don't know if it's like you have so much medicine coming in at once. I like the P. So so my going back to my little uh, coat, my vaccines here, we got J&J, &J, which I like. You got the double dip with the Band-Aid, the Listerine. Maybe your your breath stinks from waiting in line. And then maybe afterward, you know what I always think too? Maybe you're so emotional that your eyes dry out and you need a little Visine, which J&J &J owns as well too. Well, not only that, but eventually you're probably, the Band-Aid's going to come out and uh, uh, because you jumped in the shower and you've washed your hair and you, your body, right? I, <laughs> I can't think what, just the one I, I remember is the baby, the baby shampoo, right? J&J &J baby shampoo, but I'm I, I'm sure they own some other shampoos and conditioners They actually too. own, I didn't know this, that J&J, &J, they own Tylenol. This one I did know, remember this? I can't remember what book I read this in, but there was, I can remember this vaguely as a kid. So uh, in the mid eighties, this is, it was a case study on how to handle a catastrophe and J and J actually did pretty well in this. So there was this big scan, uh, there was this big issue with uh, Tylenol in the eighties where they were tampered with. I don't remember the exact uh, tampered with, right? So the lids were all broken. The seal was all broken yeah. and there was a bunch of, somebody had, had stuck stuff in Tylenol in the bottles, right? Had, had taken them, broken the, the, the packaging. And I don't know what the point of it was, but it was, there was bottles that had been tampered with. And I think there was people that got sick. I don't know if people died or what, but J&J &J basically looked at this and said, we don't know how many bottles have been tampered with. We don't have a way of telling which package it was. The only way to be sure is to take every single Tylenol bottle off of the shelf. And it ended up, I mean, and this is in the mid 80s. So account for inflation at that time, it was $3 billion that they basically just ate. They just pulled everything Whoa. off the show, destroyed it all and started uh, again. But it was the the Tylenol uh, Tylenol mishap of the 80s. But it's looked at today that J&J, I mean, of course, did the right thing. Because first thing, their inclination was just like, well, it's only a few bottles here and there. We think we know which one. So we'll just pull it off the locations that we knew stuff went bad. But eventually they just said no nationwide. We're just yanking every single bottle of Tylenol. It's like uh, the uh, what was it? The staple in the in the candy in Halloween. Remember that? It was always a razor. Mars blade. did that, where <laughs> Mars was like, "Pull all the candy." Yeah, I was. That one was always tough too. It's like, how do you get the packaging so that you wouldn't know it had been opened and something was stuck in and resealed? All that stuff. But so I did know that they owned uh, Tylenol. Here's all right, one. So I'm gonna put you on the spot. So. Um, 
True or false? You ready? Yes. We're going to do, does Johnson & Johnson own this product? Okay. Now, I already knew about the, the Tylenol. I remember when I had a list here for you. Any, uh, any listeners we had, we've already lost. So bear with me here. But uh, I had this ready to go. But to, to fill the space, here's what we're going to do next, too. I was just thinking about this. We should just make it the uh, the uh, the medicine cabinet play or the, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the or the bathroom play. And we'll throw in things like uh, Kimberly Clark that makes uh, Kleenex. We'll throw in uh, Procter and Gamble and then Johnson and Johnson. And between the three of those, what do you think? Ninety nine percent of your your bathroom and your uh, your medicine cabinet. Those those companies. Well, right there. the big one would be. Procter and Gamble. All right. So, all right. We're going to go down the rabbit hole. We'll do Procter and Gamble next. All right. What true or false? What companies do J&J? All right. First one, Rogaine. That's true. Ooh, that is right. All right. Band-Aid we talked about. Um, what about uh, Visine we talked about? I'm trying to do a, a, a tough one here. What about Callaway Golf? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does Johnson and this Johnson. is hard because I can't. I, I okay, this I'm botching this because I I can't think of a bunch. I hear the one they own, right? Clear and clear. That's pretty basic. I didn't know they had Tylenol, Morton or uh, Mortrin, uh, Visine, Pepit, Ace, Pepid C or Pepsi AC. Yeah. Um, stay free for the ladies. Carefree. Uh bunch of no-namers like Janssen, uh, Neutrogena. Um, I want to say too, um, if you're looking at this I list, see. I think this is, this if memory serves me correct, is also one that uh, J&J owns, but I'm not for sure. This might be Abbott Laboratories, but um, you know the um, the brand of milk lactate, the one that's uh, lactose-free for lactose allergies? I want to say Johnson & Johnson owns owns that as well. I could be wrong. Well, let's do, um, let's do Procter and Gamble. So really for the big heavy hitters. So to go back to JJ go though, here's one actually that they own too, that I did not know. Um, shout out to my old man. A few years ago, he had his, uh, he had to have a hip replacement. The uh, titanium ball socket that his hip is a Johnson and Johnson uh, hip socket. So they have the whole medical, uh, what do you call it? Medical instruments and medical devices sector too. Um, I want to say, I don't know if they're big in ventilators, respirators, but yeah, think about medical equipment like that. And that's the stuff that probably brings in the real. That makes products. a lot of money too. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that. These are just weird name brands like Rogaine. I didn't know. I, their heavy hitters have got to be Band-Aid, Tylenol. I mean, wonder if they had a little, with, with all the marijuana being, you know, I think the Visine's got a little bit of an uptick lately. Right? <laughs> so like, let's see if we can double down on this whole Visine play here. Yeah. They're, they're like the biggest lobbyist for legalization of weed <laughs> everywhere. We're just like, here us out. We, we got this product. All right. We got, here's, here's, which one would you rather have? We're just talking, forget balance sheets. We're just talking companies that are owned. Procter & Gamble. We've got Always. Um Bounty, Charmin, Crest Toothpaste. Dawn. So let's go. Let's focus on the bathroom right. for a second. So for sure, yeah. Crest and Charmin, right there. Those are big and again in the in the bathroom. And the, big, medicine the other one's Gillette. I mean, that's huge. Yep. Head and shoulders. Again. Oral B. So the Oral B and the um, Crest Toothpaste. Wonder why they don't put those more together. Wonder why they don't have like an Oral B toothbrush with the toothpaste putting them together. I think they do. I bet you we're just not looking for it. But now that I think about it, if you go up and down those aisles, there probably is stuff where there's toothpaste and toothbrush packaged together. And it's the the separate brands, right? But it still is all Procter & Gamble. But just right there from what you said. So from the moment, just think about the moment that you wake up, if you have to go to the bathroom and then next thing that you may do, shower, brush your teeth, whatever, wash your hair. How many of those products right there is just Procter & Gamble? From the toothbrush to the toothpaste, to shampoo, yeah. to soap. I mean- Now let's see what BHT has, because I like BHT. And this is, we've talked about ETFs before on the podcast. And sometimes, and I have got a big question I'm going to ask you later here, but- um, Sometimes don't overthink things. You know, if you want tech play instead of, do I buy Microsoft or buy Google? 
just buy the, 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 the tech ETF, which is a combination of a bunch of different stocks that are usually changed on a quarterly basis. Okay. So the VHT, now I actually don't own this, but I kind of like, I've been selling and pushing this thing. Like you'd think I was an owner in it, but. Yeah, well, this is what I was going to say. So do you have, is it, uh, where does it stand on your, your watch list? Will it be upgraded to buy? And if so, how do you make the decision when you want to well, buy? Well, the how reason why I've been kind of hesitant to pull the trigger, and I'm not saying people should or shouldn't do this, um, is just with this whole vaccine thing, I kind of would like things to just die down a little bit. Uh, what you have when you have the VHT, you've got Johnson & Johnson, Abbott Laboratories, which we talked about, Pfizer, Merck, um, United Health, uh, Thermal Fisher Scientific, so, so, I mean, that, that's a good play where you can go that route. It's weird is they don't have Procter & Gamble in there. I'm sure there's a reason for that, that maybe Procter & Gamble is, thinks they're so big. Now, here's the other thing, too. You can actually do the, let's see here, the Vanguard. Um, About Vanguard Procter & Gamble, I think that's, the, Procter & Gamble probably, they're more consumer than I think the association is with then, uh, like consum medical. consumer staples than it is with the actual healthcare and things like that. Well, if you want Procter & Gamble, you can do the highest dividend paying stocks ETF. You get the Procter & Gamble and then you get the huge bump for the for the for uh, what's going to be paying for out for you. Uh, um, I actually have never owned either one of these two. J&J &J has always been kind of a staple. And um, that's what's kind of funny, though. Again, I'm not trying to tell people not to get the uh, vaccine, but it's kind of like when I get the Pfizer vaccine, I'm like, hey, it's a company that their sole purpose is medical. Whereas like you're getting the J&J &J and you're like, all right, so this is a company that makes Benadryl. Well, okay. So I'm getting my COVID vaccine from the people that make Rogaine. Okay. <laughs> well, that's a level of diversification. So if, if, uh, if I put it to you this way, if you said uh, you have to buy the VHT or you could just buy Johnson and Johnson, I'm thinking that you'd still go VHT, but yes. I'm a big individual stock, uh, stock person. And I might still go J&J &J and I could still rationalize it because you still have a high level of diversification. Everything we said from yeah. medical instruments to stuff in your medicine cabinet to, uh, to painkillers to, to vaccines. So I think if you, there's nothing wrong with it, with going the ETF route and getting a, a, a basket. But if you wanted to go an individual play too, I think I could, I could sleep safe comfortably at night. Well, with here's J &J. The thing. We've, we've talked before how it's really important to show uh, fractional shares. It's easier mm -hmm. than ever where you can just throw a couple hundred dollars every couple of weeks. And I got a story where, you know, my son ran into his uh, tax return refund and he was like, I'm so busy with school. I don't know what to, I don't have time. I don't have time to, to look into stocks. I got too much EV stocks. I got like, what do I do? Like, which I'm like, you know what, if you're busy and you don't have time to look in a bunch of stocks, take 200 bucks or whatever, a hundred dollars or a thousand, whatever you have that's available and throw it into the high dividend ETF and just move on. That's why I kind of like the ETFs. If you're, you know, when you're starting up the market, it can be very overwhelming. We're talking stocks and J and J and Procter and Gamble all stuff. You know, if you have a thousand bucks or a hundred dollars and you want to spread it over in it, you know, a, uh, the healthcare ETF, a tech ETF, and then a high dividend ETF, you, you're really not going to lose on those. And it's just a simple way. If you don't have the time to do the research or you feel too overwhelmed with stocks, you can kind of go that route. And uh, and that's the thing, I, I can't pick the, uh, to your point, I think it's nothing wrong with getting the J&J, &J, but you know, people with pharmaceuticals can get very overwhelmed of which is the right one, do I have a patent? You know, there's these huge ups and downs and sometimes that's where the ETF can come in and help you out. And to add to that point too, I like that. Um, again, with uh, fractional shares and no commissions, never, never a better time. But uh, I also just like, you can automate the process too, right? You get paid every week or every two weeks or once a month. You can do that where you're just consistently adding. And to your point with the with a basket of stocks in healthcare or just a broad index fund, right? Just continuing to to add to that over time and make it a regular thing. You're never going to buy at the bottom. You're never going to buy at the top. But again, as these continue to these companies prosper and do well, the uh, the basket of stocks will also do so. Well, and here's what I'm wondering. Back to the vaccine. Wonder, and I'm not saying. I guess I am saying, which is going to make the most money from the vaccine? Hear me out. We talked about Pfizer, talked about J&J. &J. What about Walgreens, Albertsons? 
You don't think you go to get the vaccine at a Walgreens, you're not going to pick up food, other items on your way out. You think Ooh. Walgreens gets a little bit of a dip Ooh. or not a dip, just a little bit of a bump. Excuse me. If they like, you know, people go in, they get the COVID shot. They're feeling better. They pick up a sixer of, you know, <laughs> Diet Coke and a DiGiorno pizza or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So this is a good point. So I, I've got my first shot. I got Pfizer shot. I got it at Walgreens. I got it at Walgreens also. And I was going to do a- uh, (laughs) Did you buy anything on the way out? No, this is what I was going to say. I absolutely (laughs) did not buy anything. So I was going to throw it back to you. Uh, You're getting your first one. It's coming up. Chances are, are you really going to to buy something? Because here's the thing. After you get the shot, they make you, uh, you have to, you have to stick around for about 15 minutes. They want to make sure that there's no adverse reaction. So I did browse around the store. And uh, actually, secretly, one of my favorite places to just look around is Walgreens. It's one of those places that it's like it, we talked about uh, before on the episode of uh, places like Five Below or the Dollar Store. It's like a hidden treasure chest that's just this hunt. I always do like going around Walgreens and be like, oh, look at this. You get a pair of uh, Fingleman clippers for 98 cents. That's a good deal. But then yeah. I never actually buy it. But I actually like looking around and seeing what they have. It's I'm like, always like Walgreens is the to me like I've never had coconut oil but I think I'm going to buy some now because Walgreens is selling it to me. I think I like the J and J bandaid bump because anyone that's getting the vaccines, getting the, the bandaid, but, but mine's actually going to be at a abandoned Safeway. So it got me thinking where mine was a Safeway, They couldn't compete. They realized like we've talked about with BBY, best why best buy where it's better to just shut down so I'm in an old abandoned Safeway and Albertson's own Safeway, right? Uh, yes. So I'm taking Walgreens over Safeway, over Kroger, K. Um, but of the Pfizer plays, I'm at, of all the vaccine plays, excuse me, I kind of like the J&J with all the, just the extra bumps of, but VHT probably. All right. And put you on the spot right here. Right. A quick round of buy, sell, or hold. Buy, sell, okay. hold. So you got to buy one. You're selling one, hold the one. Johnson and Johnson, Procter and Gramble, Walgreens. Buy, sell, hold. We're gonna sell the J and J because it's what an all-time high at uh, I want to say a hundred and five. Um, let's see your J and J right now. I'm going one hundred five off the top of my head. Let's see your J and J is. Let's see how wrong one sixty one. So I think it's a little bit inflated. So I would sell the J&J. Um, Walgreens, I've really never been a fan of. Um, so I'm going to say just two sells. So sorry to not answer your question. And then the, the buy, I, I just, there's nothing wrong with just PG, man. PG is, it's kind of like, you know how we're, we're always talking about how, you know, e, ETFs and all that good stuff. Procter & Gamble is kind of like buying an ETF. And they pay a sick, huge dividend. It's They're funny because at, uh, all three hundred thirty-six dollars. What was that? All, it's funny because all three of those. Remember, we talked about the uh, dividend aristocrats. I yeah. think all those are even uh, dividend kings that have paid dividends for 50, 50 plus years. Johnson and Johnson is more than fifty. So is uh, Procter and Gamble, and I'm not sure where Walgreens is, but it's at least twenty-five Wag, years. W-A-G. I think it's WBA I say now. They got bought out by the Boots Alliance Group or whatever. Yeah, so. I, I, that, I never saw that. The Walgreens. To me, Walgreens is just a little bit too much of a Woolsworth kind of like vibe where they tried to, they, they've kind of, remember when they tried to like kind of have their own kind of Whole Foods? Um, remember when we were in a Walgreens in a New Orleans? Yeah. Where it was like, had like all these souvenirs and kind of they're staying away from their, what, really makes the money. I think Procter and Gamble is my favorite of them. I, I, I do think, and I don't have anything to back this up just on a gut play. It's just J and J I think is a little overvalued. I like J and J when they remember when they're at 55, $75 for like I a decade. I guarantee you when we are doing this podcast in 10 year time, you're going to be like, remember when J and J was only $160. Yeah. It's, it's one of those ones that's sneaky right. slow like that, but every 10 years or so, with uh, reinvested dividends, I think you can just bank on it that it's going to be close to to a double every every ten years or so. I'd put Procter and Gamble in that. Walgreens is the one I'm not so sure about. There's a lot of competition in that space, so I would I would definitely I'd be buying more J and J. I'd be holding P and G, and I'd probably sell uh, 
WBA, but I bet I don't you remember, I don't remember asking you what you do. <laughs> so I got, these are real questions. Okay. From our listeners. I have one person shot to my buddy, Chris, who asked me the age old question. I'm going to see how you would respond. And I'll tell you how I actually responded to him. Or should I call him Paul? I don't know. Like, no, I mean, friends of the podcast, we'll, we'll give real names. Uh, so, shout out to friends of the podcast, Dan and Jeremy too. So Chris goes, Hey, I've got some extra cash. What should I invest in? Now you probably don't get that question as much as I do because of my portfolio. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So here's how I responded to that question. The age old question. Some people, when you tell them this, when I tell them this, they just glaze over like, dude, this is the boringest conversation. Mm -hmm. You're just supposed to be like, okay, here's what I like coming out hot oven. So I said to him, I said, first, what you got to do is you have to find out what your allocations are and then see what you're missing and go from there. To me personally, I like to have, and I'm just doing kind of round numbers. I like to have 65% of my portfolio, large cap, Procter & Gamble, Apple, Johnson & Johnson, huge large caps, 10% mid cap, Chipotle. Um, what's the, I was just um, uh, thinking of uh, another um, mid cap, Uber, they're probably mid cap, you know, example mid. Then I like to have 10% small cap and I like to have 10% international and then 5% cash. Mm -hmm. And so to me, I say, if, whether it's $1,000, $100, whatever, I always say, now factor in your spouse as well too. If let's say your spouse is 100,000 in 401k, you've got 100,000 401k. If she's all in, 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 in um, international and you're all in large cap, the numbers get swayed. You have to add them both together do your calculations, just simple math, 65, 10, 10, 10, 5. And then whichever one you're missing in, then you buy accordingly. So that if you're super heavy in large cap, let's say you're 75%, well, don't go out and buy Disney and don't go out and buy Apple, in my opinion. If you're super small and international, then maybe you just stick in some international fund and move on, like an ETF we've been talking about. If you're super small and small, then you look at small cap funds and so forth. So I actually said, do your calculations and get back to me. Now, of course, I haven't heard anything because it's like snoozer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just want some snack picks. What do you do when people ask you that question? So do you like to, my answer, by the way? I thought it was a pretty good answer. That's what I do. That's what I say. <laughs> this, is, this is one of the first things that I've found is that uh, what I say that I do is not a one size fits all for, for everybody. So yeah, of course. I, I, I like when they're saying, and I've had plenty of these conversations with, with, uh, with uh, my girlfriend and, and with other friends of friends. And uh, you started off with the whole glazed look in the eyes too. <laughs> I think first thing you have to start with is just, I've long since tried to stop. I mean, I, I will to a certain point, if there's, if there's a, is there's an interest there, I will push it a little more touting individual stocks because I think there's a room in everybody's portfolio for individual stocks. And if you truly are trying to gain the best performance and beat the overall market, you you will never do that if you buy index funds to just track the market. And there's nothing wrong with doing as good as the market. But if you want to try to do better than, than the overall market, then there's room in a portfolio for individual stocks. But I would say to grease the old wheels, to, to get your feet wet, so to speak, to your point, allocations. And this is where um, I just had this conversation the other day. I started talking large caps, mid caps, small caps. And again, it was the, the glazed look. I don't understand what you're talking about. So the one I just try to do is simplify it now. And I will go with, um, you talked about the Vanguard Healthcare uh, Fund, Vanguard. I think it's, the name says it all. It is the leader in the space of um, exchange traded funds and, and mutual funds. They're their fees, their costs are by far the lowest. And I like the one that just tracks the entire stock market. It's it's the VTI, it's 3000 stocks. You're getting your balance of large, you're getting your balance mm. of mid, you're getting your small and it's a one stop. And you know that you have plenty of diversification across the board as far as market caps and as far as sectors and waiting. And once you're ready, once you know how much you can afford to put in, just 
automate that every every week you're going to put in every month whatever it is and just start there get comfortable with the process of what it's like to buy shares in your brokerage account what it looks like when you buy the shares how the orders are done it and then you can do that and if you so desire when you choose then you can start messing around with individual stocks and companies if you feel comfortable or when well it's funny because um i agree with you and i think it's a combination of what we get what i think people look for is Hey, what do you recommend? Okay, don't tell anyone. Yeah. This stock is trading at $5 a share. It's going to be worth $90 a share in two weeks. That's what I think people look for. And when I, I mean, really, you're starting off the conservative route that I do, where sometimes I'll say to some people, get the, there's a book called The Intelligent Investor, buy that, read it. It's boring. Do your research. And they're like, man, it's like they kind of think the analogy of sports, like, okay, I like Cleveland. Plus five and a half. I like these are locks, and 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 you're just. I, I just I don't I don't give that because the, the whole point of my point is, you know, if you own Mike, is you're trying to avoid. I own Google. I own Microsoft. I own Facebook. I own Amazon, and now I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy a Tesla. That that to me is just all in one individual. Now you might be able to beat everything, and I like your VTI. I've actually never seen the VTI. I'm I'm a huge Vanguard fan. I'm actually turning a little bit because I use Vanguard for all of my portfolio stuff. Um, I I like to spend hours and hours before I buy a stock, and when I buy it, I'm kind of married to it, and then I know and and I stick with it. Um, but I do tons and tons of research to the point where it's exhausting. And by the time you buy it, you're so sick of the stock that you don't even check the stock and what it's doing because I've, I've done so much research with it. And if you don't want to put that in, that's the common theme, whether it's just the health, the VHT, the VTI, the S&P 500, whatever. Um, and that's the thing. A lot of the time, people don't give me the follow-up question when I tell them, do research, tell me your allocations. And when they do, they're, they're actually usually coming out ahead. I mean, I'll give you an, a little bit of analogy like here. Answer. I'll give you a little analogy and you tell me if it, if it makes sense. Um, I'm not a mechanically inclined person. The thought, it's not that I can't fix things myself that break around the house for just, for example, our hot tub is, uh, is busted and it needs a new Ooh, hot tub. Look at you guys. Yeah. Well, we've had it. We came with the, with the, with the house. Five car. What does, what happens when one of your five car garage doors doesn't open <laughs> or the uh, fountain freezes in the winter? <laughs> the the uh, garage, you got that little red lever there. You pull the emergent <laughs> things, just slide it up and down. But anyway, so the, uh, the hot tub, it's, it's, it's uh, an issue with the, uh, the water pump. It gets a low flow issue. It just, it won't heat. I've done enough on YouTube to diagnose the problem. I've done enough on YouTube where I can see exactly how to fix the problem, but I just, I don't feel comfortable with it. It makes me super nervous. It makes me anxious. I get frustrated. So I call up the local guy in town and I say, Hey, you know, I've diagnosed this problem. I think it's the, uh, it's the, it's the water pump on it. Can you come out and take a look? And he says, it's like, in fact, I have one. I can, I can sell it to you. And all you got to do is pull off the clamps, take it off and, and put it in. And then I say again, like, yeah, can, can you come out and, and do it for me? He's like, oh, well, I have to charge you additional hundred dollars just for it. Why don't you just, and it's just like, again, um, I'm not mechanically inclined. It just gives me a peace of mind you come out and do it. And again, he was just almost taken back. Not that he didn't want to do it, but he's just like, all right, I'm just, now I'm curious to come see you. Who's the guy that doesn't want to try to take it, take it apart and do this himself. And uh, long story short is just, I feel this is what a lot of people are with money and investing. They're not ever going to feel comfortable picking individual stocks and researching stocks and putting in the time and effort it does to manage your portfolio. And, and that's, that's okay. And that's too. what we're saying. If you feel comfortable paying for a money manager, by all means, do that. If you want to just put your money in a broad index fund, do that. It's a matter of what makes you feel comfortable with and what allows you to sleep soundly at night. And nobody here, at least Mike and I, are going to judge you if you don't want to pick individual stocks. Well, it's the old saying, if you can't beat the S&P 500, that's okay. Then you gave it your shot, just buy something, just buy the S&P 500 and move on. And that's where... My big thing is if you, I don't really have as much individual stocks as you would think that I have. That's why that whole percentage works. Just 
you got a hundred bucks, put $65 in large. Again, you can do what you want, maybe $55 in large. Just throw it in some international, large, mid, small, have some cash and move on. And then that's okay too. I wish I didn't agree with you, but I agree <laughs> like with all those. This first time, everybody. All right. I kind of like point the, the hot tub example. Like um, I have five maids. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but that's a good point. I actually had that the other day with my sprinkler where I spent five hours trying to fix the sprinkler last year. And I'm not going to bore everyone. We've already lost enough people on the podcast, but with like the sprinkler and I did all those YouTube videos and blah, 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 blah. And at the end of the day, I figured this year, I'm like, I'm just going to pay the guy to do it. And the guy came out and he's like, well, that's going to be 150 bucks. And I said, you know, what you could do. And I'm like, I'll write you, I'll, I'll give you a check mm-hmm. for 175. Just stop trying to sell me on it. I'd rather give you $175. I'd rather take my time instead of watching YouTube videos to actually listen to this podcast and actually invest in something versus trying to figure out how to do something. And there's nothing wrong with trying to figure out how to do stuff, but the point you're getting at, I, I agree with your point. Yeah. I mean, your time Boom. is better suited. That's a good investment. If, if putting a little extra money to have somebody do the sprinklers or, or me for the hot tub, it's, I look at it as I'm coming out ahead in the long run. Then if I try to do it myself, it turns into a complicated uh, project, whatever else. Well, and I even have it. I'll go a step further. I have friends who are like, I'll help you. And I've done that. And now it's, and I'm just standing over their shoulder and you mm-hmm. kind of, it's better just to be like, when the guy shows up, like, yeah, yeah, it's around the back. I'm going to just close the door in their That's face. The, like, the favorite yeah, move. The yeah. check is on the, on the front. Just yeah. fill it out. I'll be, I'll be in the other room. Just holler if you need me or whatever <laughs> yeah. you get, you, you got it. That's the same thing. And this is speaks to investing too. It can be as, as simple or as complicated as you want to make it out. And if it doesn't seem like it's going to be something that's interesting or it's going to be complicated, then nothing wrong with just picking simple funds. Do, do, I mean, that track the overall market and over time, especially with, again, I mean, I'm, I'm beating this to death, but no commissions, no um, fractional shares, just keep putting in money week after week or month after month and look at it in the next 20, 30, 40 years. And when you need that money, it's going to be a lot more than what you started with. It's just all, you know, you don't have to be the leadoff hitter. You just got to be in the lineup. So we had another question. This is, mm-hmm. These are all true questions. I don't know if this was a joke, but when I saw it, I'm glad to talk about it. We had a friend of ours ask, hey, can't you talk about Home Depot? <laughs> and I said, heck yeah, I'll talk about Home Depot. So I'm going to tell my Home Depot story. Yes. Okay? By the way, home, is Home Depot, is that one of the stocks that you've held for the longest amount of time? Ooh. I mean, since... Um, since I, 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 ah, I, jeez. Oh, all right. I, I bought Home Depot. So there's the whole thing about a 10 bagger and it's really simple to do it. It's 10 times earnings. So if a stock is a hundred is, is a dollar, then $10, you have a 10 bagger. Okay. Right. Stock is $10, hundred dollars. You got a 10 bagger. So I bought Home Depot at $38 a share. And here's a big thing that I'm trying to get across, whether it's Procter & Gamble, Nike, McDonald's, Home Depot. And this goes back to that earlier point when people ask me, hey, Mike, do you have any stock picks? And they're thinking like, okay, there's this new pharmaceutical company nobody knows about, okay? Yes, on the but deal, hush, hush. My point that is, and I'm joking about all that, is that you can still make boatloads of money with large cap stock. So Home Depot, I bought it at 39, 38, give or take a dollar. And it's a, when I bought it, this was eight, nine years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was a huge stock. They, the owner still owns the uh, Falcons or whatever. Yeah. Arthur and, and blank. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, and you know what? The huge dividend and now it's trading at $319 a share. I'm about to have my first this is probably going to, I'm at a nine bagger right now. Mm-hmm. It'd be so your you first did quick math, 38 times 10 would be three. So I'm so close to having a 10 bagger with Home Depot. Well, let me and ask you this. Have you accounted even, for the, the, do you reinvest the, uh, the dividends? I do reinvest the dividends. So with dividends reinvested, is it, 
is your cost basis, is that, that 38, 39, is that the cost basis with the, the dividends reinvest or without? Because if you're not, then it's I just probably- bought, when, I, when I bought it that, I haven't even gone it's that It's probably, it's, it's even, yeah, you factor in those reinvested dividends and your uh, your actual cost basis is lower than that uh, that initial one. So you probably it's might the, It's be. the best. I've had some winners over the uh, over my time. And mm-hmm. this is the hands down the greatest winner. And that's the, my, my, my whole point is, you know, buying a Nike, a Home Depot, a Procter and Gamble, a John, you know, we always kind of nitpick these certain stocks. To me, any of these stocks we just mentioned, whether, you know, and that's the thing, that's why Sears is such a big deal when it falls apart, because who would have thought like a Home Depot, I I mean, I can't guarantee anything that's going to be around in the next 15 years. I mean, an Amazon, and that's the whole thing too, when people like, oh, I, you know, when like Amazon's trading, we, we actually have you know, I, I always kind of joke how we've talked about Amazon too much, but you can really never talk. You know, we're always like, and I've even said this, oh, well, I oh, I missed Amazon at $48 or I missed Amazon at $430. I missed Amazon at a thousand. Uh, imagine if I bought at 800. I bought Amazon at 1600. It's trading at $3,372 a share. I remember when it was stalled at 3000 and you can still buy Amazon at $3,332 a share. And I think in 10 years, they're still going to be around and who knows what they'll be trading at. So I'm a big fine. And that's why I go back to those large cap. Why I like to have 65% of my portfolio. Look, if you want to argue, you want 50, 55, 60, fine. I'll take that argument all day. But the point is you can still make money on these large cap stocks. Now I should probably sell some Home Depot. I just we got we got a strong bond. I can't is, sell it. I can't walk away from that. Well, let me ask you this. This is a good segue to another question. And do you what are your opinions on um, if you're a holder of individual stocks in your portfolio? Is there a point where it becomes too big a percentage of your overall portfolio, something that makes you uncomfortable or so that you you can't sleep at night? I, well, um, winners keep winning. Mm-hmm. I do have a lot of stocks in the home, um, in, in, in that sector. And I do think that I am a little bit, uh, too much, uh, too, that's a good question. And I, and I do think that I, I will say this, what keeps me more up at night is like owning GE and it just mm-hmm. keeps plummeting. And it's, um, you know, what, what do they call it? It's a turd with hair, you know? <laughs> but like, um, I, I do think at some point, like Exxon's a good example. Exxon's been on is been on a good run, and it's trading at fifty six dollars. And I and that's something. All right, let's so let me ask your question. I do think it's important that I know that I'm getting too heavy in one sector, like Home Depot and some other stocks that contribute to the sector that they're in, and I'm very conscious of making sure to dial some of the back. But when it keeps winning, I'm more hesitant to probably just keep it going. Um, and I'm not saying that's the best idea. I'm sure probably logically I should probably just sell a little bit. I, I just, I just don't do that. Exxon's a, 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 the other example where I would want to sell some of it because I don't believe in Exxon. I believe, I don't believe in where they're going to be in 10 years. I think Home Depot is going to be around in 10 years. I think Amazon is going to be around 10 years, Nike, blah, blah, blah. I don't think Exxon there's a good possibility Exxon might not be around in 10, 15 years. And I've owned Exxon for a long time and I've been trying to sell it, but it just has been going up and up. And that's the one where I keep thinking that's when you have to shift. You know, it's okay if you miss the boat on Microsoft or on Amazon, that's okay. Holding on to a stock too long before it's too late, that's when you get in trouble. And I think like a Home Depot, yeah, it'll still be around or a Wells Fargo that I've owned for years and years and years. Yeah, it's going to be fine. They'll be around. I'm not worried about that. But Exxon, I, I, I've been trying to sell it for, I said it, what, five podcasts ago, I'm selling on Monday. Did you, did you and sell then it's up it? 3%. So here's, I understand what you're saying too. And this is, um, I don't know who said this phrase, but it it totally makes sense when you think about what investing is and and uh, managing money, personal, it all falls under the guise of personal finance. And personal finance is a lot more personal than it is finance. What works for you may not work for me, vice versa for everybody yeah. else. So to your point, if Home Depot becomes a large part of your portfolio, 
but you still are very bullish on it and like it and still like its prospects for growth in the future. And uh, one of the things I really start thinking about is the old comparison shopping. Well, what else, who does what, what um, Home Depot does? I mean, the biggest competitor is, is Lowe's, right? I mean, right. basically home improvement, lumber, things like that. And then I start thinking, well, what, what are the old barriers to entry? Is it easy for another company right now to set up a hardware shop and do that? Probably not. The next thing I start thinking of is if we're buying more and more things online with e-commerce, is this something that is easily applicable for, for Amazon to get in? And, are they going to be start shipping lumber? Yeah, right. right. No, maybe you buy a little washer or whatever else, but really the bulk of their businesses. So it's kind of resistance to that. So those are good prospects. Now you switch over to your talk of Exxon, right? And we start looking what the future looks like, right? With um, the president's infrastructure bill, with his, his push towards electric vehicles and green energy and everything else. That starts looking really bad for companies like Exxon. So yep. it, it goes into the- It's only going to get worse too. It's not going to, they're not going to, didn't mean to cut you off, but they're not going to come out and be like, you know what? Gas is here to stay and electric vehicles are going. It's 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 coming. It's changing. So, so the point of that is that's could be a reason to trim a position, right? If it's too big in your portfolio yep. and you don't like its future prospects, then you could trim it. Also, if the overall thesis just changes for the same reason we said that that uh, we're not nearly as bullish on Exxon or any energy company is because the thesis has somehow changed. That's a, another time when you could sell it. So I would encourage you then is, as you said, it keeps going up 3% a day or whatever it is, it looks good. But when you just zoom out that chart overall, how does it look and how does it look compared to it to a benchmark like the the s p or a broad index although well, it's recently and i'm, I'm not going to answer that question because i have a thought first is that i would rather and i and i've thought this with chipotle in the reverse i would rather sell exxon and have it be trade it's trading at what 56 and some change i'd rather sell exxon at 56 and then it's trading at 150 dollars a share in the future i can live with that You'd be like, oh, well, whatever, and move on. What would be harder was I'm trading at 56, and then the next thing you know, in eight years, it's trading at $9 a share. Yeah. Like if it's, you know, trading at $300 a share and I sold at 56, and we joke about on the podcast how I missed the boat, I'll mm -hmm. take that all day. That's it, whatever. I still made money on it. It's the reverse of it. It's the same thing I had with Chipotle. It's the other idea of it. I believed in the company so much when I bought it at 150, it's trading at 1500. That's a 10 bagger right there yeah. that I would rather it go to 30, $13 a share. And I'll take my licks on that because I believed in the company so much with their balance sheet, um, the CEO, when they kicked them out, et cetera, et cetera, that um, I would rather do that than not buy it. And then it's trading at what I'm trading at today. I, I think there's a difference of moving on and, 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 you know, licking your wounds and cutting, you know, insert analogy. If you believe in you, I, I already made my point. So, yeah. I mean, to summarize there too, I, I've always liked the saying, I mean, so many, so many people, and I've been guilty of this in the past too, is we cut our flowers and we water our weeds, right? It's that idea that the stock is down, but if I just wait just a little bit longer, it's going to rebound or I could at least break to even. But really what we should be doing, right, is the moment that, especially if that thesis is broken. And when I say that thesis, if the reason that you bought the stock does not hold true anymore or something has changed that makes you not believe in it as much, there's really no better time than, again, what we're saying right now, let me get out of it and take that pro those proceeds and start Move watering on. my flowers, right. right? I can add to the Chipotles or the Home Depots or whatever else that I, that I like. And I do think that that works out far better. Now, back well, to the whole thing that started this is if you are just simple and an index fund, you don't really have to worry about this. You don't have to worry about just, that. And that's yep, okay. And that's buying. part mm -hmm. of the, you know, that's part of the whole idea of this is, you know, if I look at 100% of my portfolio, 80% of it, I don't have to worry about it. And that 20%, I just it. love the market and love talking about it so much that, um, boy, that's a good analogy of, of, of what you said. And it's like, you know, with Penn, I, I bought Penn, which is a gaming stock. We talked about it before. And one of the reasons why I like Penn is because it has such a huge, um, it owns 33% of Barstool Sports. It's a media company. They're going to own 100% of it in five years. If for some reason something happened and they decided to sell Barstool Sports, and let's say even the stock goes up, I'm cutting bait. 
That's mm-hmm. one of the fundamentals and one of the reasons why I went with that. Um, and that, those are all good points. Well, let me okay. ask you this. So it sounds okay. like for sure your your thesis on Exxon is is busted. You don't, don't believe it. I, you know, I was actually talking to my dad about GM today. It used to be, you know, you, you, you eat your brand flakes in the morning, you invest in post, <laughs> you buy GE and you buy some GM and you move on and it's 1989 right and 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 now gm we've talked about it before on the on the pod that i love gm gm is up for, and look I, I haven't bought it yet so you know put your money where your mouth is which i i might buy it. i've never been a car guy looking do i own tesla i missed that boat yeah of course we can talk about that I don't think you missed the. I don't think you've missed the. the, that's, the good point. that's what we talked about before. There could be more to it. Go ahead. There's the, if it's a if it's a good company, and it's growing its its market share, and the revenues are going up, and the earnings are going up. We just talked about companies like Home Depot. That I mean, for the better part of thirty years from doing this. So I, I would, I would also encourage you to never think of it as as missing the boat if it's a good company. That's now, right. if it's the converse, if it's Exxon, and you don't believe in that, I'd also challenge you. I'm throwing down the gauntlet here before we film the next one, you make your decision if you believe in it. And if you do, you continue to hold on. But if you don't, I would hit that sell button and move on to putting that money to something that you truly do believe in. Well, and that's where I don't want to contradict myself. I already just went on that rant about how don't feel like you missed the Amazon boat. There's plenty of room if you think the stock is going to keep taking off now. And I just said that with Tesla. Um, I don't, do you feel that with Exxon? But do, but do you feel that with Exxon? Or do you still think it's just, it I, is going I, the way of the dodo bird? I, whether it's in five years, 10 years, 15, 20, I, I think it's, I, I, to your point, going, I, I'm ready to sell and move on. I would challenge you this week. Yeah. Do that. And yeah. And then you can start I, I think, looking. I, I, I think next, well, and, and that's where if I sold it and put it into GM, J and J, we talked about Uber last weekend. And I like how <laughs> you and I both were like, yeah, Uber, they own Drizzly. They're just going to buy any type of service they can drop deliver. And I'm like, really? Huh. But I, I would rather take my licks with those. And I mean, GE is up 44% year to date, which is probably the best year they've had in the last. Mm-hmm. I mean, feel free to fact, fact check me. GE's chain at $60 a share, big, huge. I mean, they don't have a dividend anymore, but the, you know, big, huge upside. They're now in the EV game. They've got the Hummers. They got the Tahoes. We've talked about this in, in, in nauseum about how, you know, in 10 to 15 years, would you rather have a Tahoe EV that can pull 8,000 pounds or, you know, the, the Tesla Y or whatever? Well, I would, I mean, I think the bigger conversation that we have, because we can split hairs about uh, about Tesla, Rogaine, J and J, about GM. But I mean, I, it sounds like we're both in agreement that it's not a matter of if electric vehicles are the thing; it's just a yeah. matter of when. And that does not spell good news for players like uh, uh, Exxon or um, even. I mean, or- yeah, I mean, GE is is trying to pivot. I mean, they've really spun off a lot of unprofitable businesses, including their oil and drilling and other stuff. But GE is such a large company and that is such a big ship. If you're thinking about it, those kind of turns to steer it to, to move towards new trends that there may be other companies that are that are better suited. But I mean, those are one of the things too that we talk about that I really like is we don't necessarily have to identify um, particular companies, but we can definitely work to identify trends in sectors that we think over the next coming 10 plus years are, are going to be big. I think things like e-commerce are can continue to be big. Things like telemedicine, electric vehicles, clean energy. These yeah. are the things that I think are, are not a matter of if, but are just when. And that's my whole point with, with Exxon, XOM, which, you know, be a little tough, not tough. It hasn't done, you know, I've had that stock for, it used to be a huge dividend. It couldn't go wrong with it. My eyes are getting dry. Let me put some Visine in. <laughs> yeah. So I did. I, I did yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, we're, um, we're probably getting close to wrapping up here, but I was thinking, I just want to, 
I saw this tweet and I took a, I didn't keep the, the, the tweet, but I had this screenshot. It was a really interesting thing. So it is basically 50 companies that over the last uh, 15 years, their, their annualized rate of return, their, uh, their Kager is basically, Ooh. is, is basically double what the, the S and P has done. So S and P over the last 10 years or 15 years from 2006 to, to 2021 has done about 10%. These companies have all done 20% or better. And it's a list of 50 companies. I'm just curious here. All right. We all can right. wrap can up with this. Questions? Yes. Of these. So 50 companies, mm-hmm. 10% or better, right? No, 20, 20%. 20, 20% or better. Are any of them Dow components? Uh, yes. Let me see if I can guess. The I was going to say, I just, from what I know, two of these stocks you actually own. Apple's got to be one of them, yes, right? Yes, that's Apple's one of them. Uh, was that the only is uh, that the only Dow component? Um, I'm trying to think. Oops. There's another one I see at the bot, the very bottom of the list, that is also a um, a Dow component. Would Walmart be one? No, Walmart's not on. WMT there. wouldn't be one because no. that makes I sense. Would, I'm guessing the the Dow. Amazon's got to be one, right? Yeah, Amazon. So Amazon, Apple. So think already about what you said with Amazon and Apple and think along those. There's an Tesla. Tesla, one of them, right? Um, I don't know if Tesla's been. Well, Tesla wasn't around in 06. No. So, but I like how you think with Apple and Amazon uh-huh. and then think of that, uh, the popular Microsoft. group of stocks. Microsoft, surprisingly not on here. But then again, that that makes sense because it's it does really make only, sense with with only with Satya Nadella over the last five years. Google, no Google, what Google's on? Yes, there. no, Google's see, not quite fifteen years, just under. It's I think yeah. it just missed the boat. Um, what else is on? So, how many more on, left on the Dow? Starbucks? No, because Starbucks was up at at eighty nine, went down to six, and went back up. That wouldn't count. Is there another Dow component on there? There is, and I, I guarantee you probably won't get it because Not it is, Visa. it's a more recent addition to the to the Dow. Um, I was going to well, say- if, Apple is the recent addition. If, uh, if you want to think in terms of uh, of golf, Callaway golf, it's think, uh, think stuff that would go along with a golf game or whatever. I don't or know. Or any, any, any leader in sport, I guess I should say. Disney? No, it's, it's apparel, no. Ni- Nike. Not Nike. I don't it's, know. It's it is Nike. Is what oh, it is. is Nike. Yeah. Well, Nike. The reason that it's so funny how you only think about what have you done for me lately. Nike's been down huge. Yeah, but over this course. year, and it's so funny where Nike makes complete sense because Nike. It's funny. I was think actually looking at Nike NKE right that uh, Nike. I mean, they're trading at one thirty five. The funny thing is, is the reason why psychologically it wasn't saying Nike is they're they're kind of down from year to date. It's like the opposite of what we said about players like Exxon and, and GE. You yeah. zoom in the they chart. They were at 146, you know, back in January. Let me look at the five-year on Nike. This is this yeah, is that makes sense. Also, one of the points about investing too is you can look. I mean, you can zoom in and out on a chart and you can really make it fit a mold as far as what you want to see. But when you zoom out on charts is really where you get the bigger picture, right? And you zoom out on Nike and it's that chart is from, from the bottom left up to the right. Whereas when you look at GE and, and, and Exxon probably, and although recently they've done well, it's probably still down. You know, one right. of like, you know, what's crazy though, man. And I'm sure we've talked about it before, but man, the, the Domino's chart is like one of the best charts. Domino's is on the list. Of... Uh, yeah, yeah. Is Ross right. on the list too? Yeah. Let's just, I'll, I'll run, I'll run down the 50 names. But go through we'll them slow. Cause I love Ross. I love Domino's. Number, I like Nike. What do we got? Num- number one, Netflix. Annualized, yeah, talking... annualized return over the last 15 years, 38.7%. 15 38.7% years, 38%. Yes. NFLX, nice. Uh, next number two, booking holdings. Uh, old price line. Now, now it goes by booking, but it's basically okay. this price line. Three, Amazon. Yep, like it. Uh, Don't yeah. like booking. But. Um, number four, Align Technologies. This is a um, Alliant. Align. They make medical stuff. I think oh, they make. Okay. I think they do um, 
stuff for dentistry, like the Invisalign. What are they looking at? So their big product is the Invisalign. Over the last 15 years, annualized return, 31.6%. The Invisalign is pulling that in? Yes. Uh, All right, that's I would have never guessed that one. This one is the one that gets me too, because it's one of these ones we talked about where I think it's in a group that is going down, Transdime Group. I think they make oil rigs or something. I could be wrong. Mm. That's number six, Apple. Seven is uh, Market Access Holdings. They're a, a trading platform. Number uh, eight, this is one we've talked about before. I've always been a big fan and I'm an owner. Uh, Boston Beer Company, Sam. Really? Oh, would you buy that at? 208? Um, we had a bet. What's yeah. the trading at? Over a thousand. I mean, it's... what? What's the symbol? SAM, Sam. Oh, I always gave you a hard time on this one. Oh my God. I owe you an apology. You um, bought this thing. No, nah, I bought, I bought it at 160. I bought it at 300. <laughs> I sold I the like, position when it was down during, I mean. Hold on. Was, I got to see this because I remember. Hold on. What was it? You bought it at like, you bought it at three, like three thirty, and then it went all the way down to one forty four. Yeah. I, I sold, I on. sold some of it too when it went down because I was just like, ah, oh, maybe. Oh and then gosh. I started buying more and I bought back. So it's one that you I got me there, bud. I continue. 1200 bucks. Good job. Here's a good example. Don't listen to people like me and people that tell you you should don't, sell. Don't stocks. listen don't to me either. Good. Do you, do your own research. Yeah, Look, we'll finish this list later. We're, about, we're rounding out here. All right. I, I, okay. I definitely. What number we left leave off at? We are we left off at Sam, which is number eight on the list. All right, because before we were talking about the Buzz ETF, and then we just mm -hmm. moved on. Number eight. I want to pick this up next week. And here's here's what we'll also do. I'll uh, I'll put a link uh, to this uh, to this picture on the uh, the Twitter ID. You can reach us at uh, the number two Buds Talk Stocks. If you want to follow us on Twitter, if you have any questions, we got some listener questions. You can always hit us up on the uh, Gmail account, two Buds Talk Stocks at gmail.com. All right. Well, Nate, I think uh, this is good stuff, man. We'll wrap it up here. We'll pick it up next week again with the uh, the rest of the list. All right. Yep. You have a good week. I'll talk to you soon.